You know, life just happens. And one of my good friends for many, many years, David Shapiro and I, hey, man, we just we just pass each other in the in the night, Dave. You're so busy. I've got to do a few things on my side as well. But there's a big story out, and I thought, why is nobody better than than a, a better excuse than getting hold of my uh, getting hold of my old friend and finding out uh, the implications of this thing called Evergrande in China? Given that South Africa is so much in the Chinese camp right now that the world needs the Chinese um, economy to do well, and a quarter of the economic growth of China has been generated by property development. And now their biggest property developer has gone bust in a spectacular, spectacular way. How big is this company, Evergrande? It's big. <laughs> it's very big. I mean, the market cap, well, it's, I don't know, it's probably bankrupt at the moment. It's a tenth, of, uh, maybe a hundredth of where it used to be. That's, uh, so this is a company that was um, on the on the stock market worth maybe uh, $30 billion or even more. I think it might have even been bigger than $300 billion. billion. Yeah, sorry, my math dollars. is wrong. Yes, yeah. you're right. $300 billion. Mm. Thanks mm. for helping me out there. You know, 30 just sounded a bit... Uh, I was trying to take its present value in times by 100. Mm. I just missed out on a zero. But Alec, <laughs> you're dead right. And, yeah. and what's important about it? I think there are big implications. The implications are not only internally but externally as well. So you have to understand how far this company reaches. I don't know how many cities it's involved with, but it's probably in the hundreds. I don't know how many projects it's involved with, probably in the thousands. In other words, it built thousands of communities. And the problem is, and, and this is where I'm getting to, if we ignore on the local side, the big worry is on the foreign side because a lot of their debt was financed by foreigners, people outside of China. And they stand to lose multi, multi billions of dollars. Remember, this company's got debt of $300 billion. I mean, that is ginormous. And um, on liquidation, um, it's no one's quite sure who's going to benefit, who they're going to benefit. Um, the the Chinese shareholders or those people who've put down deposits, um, the million odd, I think a million and a half uh, Chinese consumers or investors who've put down money deposits and are not going to get their uh, apartments or their housing de delivered. They're going to lose that kind of money. Or, is, uh, or will they favor the foreigners? So it has implications for China as an investment destination. That's the big issue, you know. Will this scare foreigners off from investing in um, in America down the line? Before we go there, before we go to that, just explain when you've got a bond. So the Chinese uh, Evergrande bonds, i.e., it's the money that Evergrande went and borrowed in the international markets, and they paid a dollar for every dollar that they borrowed. That is trading at two cents. So the bonds are trading at. Two cents. What exactly does that mean? Well, bondholders have lost their money. That means they've lost their money. But there's always the hope. This is the open market. So there's always the hope who comes first. When they finally get, because, you know, there's this application for liquidation in Hong Kong, 
but there are a lot of doubts whether or not this will be, a, you know, whether I'll be able to sue them in mainland China. You know, it's almost different jurisdictions. If so, it's going to take years. So I think the big issue is they've probably written off the money now, but there's always a hope of recovery on liquidation. What is liquidation? Is you sell off the assets. Who gets the funds first? That's the whole question. Who would get the funds first? Normally, it would go to the bondholders because they would have secured debt over the assets. Then it goes down the line, you know. And um, so that's where I think a lot of the quibbles are coming now. Who's going to benefit and who will win uh, and who will gain once this liquidation takes place, if it does take place? So there's another angle as well. And Let's say the Chinese government wanted to protect its own citizens and particularly those poor people who've put down deposits and want their money. Are they going to be looked after by the government? <laughs> Is the government going to come in as they have done in the past and make sure that the projects continue and there is delivery of that, you know, put it in another name and that. So a lot of questions and debates are taking place, Alec, which are not going to be sorted out easily. But these are the questions. And, 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 and to reiterate what I'm saying, it worries us about investment in China. You know, it worries us how they're going to treat us as foreigners should things like this happen down the line. Okay, so here in South Africa, it's, it's more relevant than in most parts of the world. We've got NASPAS Process. Uh, our biggest market cap stock, and that's all based on a Hong Kong company, Tencent, who seem to be under the cosh from the Chinese government. Every time um, a, a shock comes out, the Chinese government wants youth to spend less time on gaming. In other words, um, the 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 major business that Tencent's got, and then Tencent's share price goes down. But often, often, you guys in the investment markets warn us that the shares you own in, in Tencent are not necessarily the same as the shares that you'd own in a company based in the U.S. There's some kind of a, a structure. Are we seeing any of this happening now with, with Evergrande, i.e., are, are there red flags here? I don't. That's that's interesting. You've got me on a point that I can't really answer. I don't. I don't think so. I think... Uh, in this case, I think they actually own the debt. You might have knowledge. I haven't gone into it in that way. You know, it's always been, as as you rightly point out, it always at the, it's always at the back of our mind when it comes to Tencent. Um, I don't think we're in the. Okay, there is a slight difference because um, in Evergrande you could trade on them. You know, there were. I I think you actually did own the shares and you've lost money like that. Whereas, uh, you know, when it comes down to Tencent, you have to do it through this vehicle, um, as you can't point out there. But, but I think even if I can't give you a straight answer, I think there are concerns around investment in China as you've been uh, picking up like this. Um, I must say that, that, that um, there's a company that I wanted to invest in, which is funny enough, the results were out, came out yesterday called CATL. Contemporary Amperex, whatever it is, is a battery company. And it's the battery company that makes the batteries for Tesla. And I like the business and the results were just about, you can't get into it. 
We could not buy it. The only way we could get in was through a global lithium battery, whatever it was, ETF and so on. So it's not always to get the direct investments uh, that you want to in China. So you might have a point. You know, it's a technical point that I can't really answer at the moment. Uh, but this on, is really what the structure is. Mm. It's really interesting, David, because you've said there's a lot of uh, mystery at the moment about how the Chinese government is going to act. Imagine in a in South Africa, um, if there was a major property developer because we're a free enterprise company, well, tough luck. If it if it goes bust, it goes bust. Whereas in China, it's a communist country, so there there are all kinds of other different things in play. But the thing that that the big flag that's waved for me is that when you command, control an economy, as the Chinese have been doing for quite some time, it you you really are taking some some decisions that are very very difficult to take. As a it doesn't matter how smart you are as a human being. Markets tend to explain these things to you better. And we've seen the movies about Evergrande's ghost cities and uh, where these huge developments, huge cities where nobody actually lives, but because they were promoted or they were pushed to do that by their government, they just did it. Now the whole thing has come tumbling down. So the question, I guess, for everybody is, has the Chinese miracle hit into some kind of a brick wall or what's going to bring it back again? I'm, I'm with you. I know where you're going. And it comes to Tencent. Uh, when I look at Tencent, the growth is probably going to be low single digits or mid-single digits. The kind of growth that we've seen in the past, simply because of the reasons you've uh, you know, risen, um, expounded, it's very, very difficult to get growth there when you've got the government on top of you. The other thing is their industrial policy. And, um, and, and the obstacles they put in the path of growth. So I'm saying against the tech that we're seeing, the tech developments that we're seeing um, in the rest of the world, in the US, even in, in Europe, why do you want to go into Tencent? So I've become very negative or cautious on Tencent, uh, on nice person process. There's a danger. We've got the danger. We've had them for so long. We're still making huge amounts of money. And when we sell, we pay capital gains tax. So there's always this conundrum, this dilemma. You know, what do we do? If we sell, we're going to pay this massive amount of capital gains tax. And will the company that we go into be able to compensate for that? So uh, that's bothering me at the moment. But would I put fresh money into ten and into NASPERS process? My answer is no. You know, my answer is uh, no. Simply on the strength of I'm um, uh, or shame, I might be unfair on nice person process, but certainly I wouldn't put it into into um, into ten cent for those very reasons. Very concerned about uh, you know the Chinese authority clamping down and whether or not they'll ever let these companies really uh, go free like they they were a few years ago. And when it goes wrong, the command control economy goes really wrong, as we're seeing with yeah. Evergrande, Dave. Let's um, move to the second part of the interview on something much brighter in the Biz News portfolio, which is a model portfolio. Uh, mm-hmm. Although we we do have one that we put a bit of the company's reserves into, uh, but there we invested in ASML, and it was on the basis of you 
talking about, beating the drum about this company for years and years. I did some investigation. I did my research and said, whoa, David's been onto something here. Unfortunately, when we bought it uh, in the 600s, it, it immediately then went down to the lower 500s. But it's come back up now. It's in the 800s. So it's, it's really, really done well. And the latest results last week, um, it just seems no stopping this company. You, the man who put us onto it, just give us a, a thumbnail, if you would, on what ASML is and whether or not you're still excited about it. Well, this is the most important cog in the whole AI or technology space. Without ASML, you can't do anything. Yeah, they're smaller companies. But this has got the most the size of the Atlantic Ocean. And for the only reason it's got this moat is because its technology is so advanced and it's so far ahead of any other company. So what does a company do? Believe me, when I try to understand the, the technology, it baffles my brains because I can't think of, of, of uh, you know, of atom size channels and so on. But they make, in simple fact, they make the machines that allow the semiconductor companies to make their chips, you know, and uh, with TS, TSMC, you know, uh, all those what they call foundries today need ASML technology, need those fancy machines. And they so are far ahead that it will take a long time for the competition to check up or to come close to them. So it's um, – sorry, I lost you for a second. I apologize for that. Um, so it's going to take a long time, and they're well ahead of the competition. Now, um, what happened to you when that market dropped, which is – uh, you know, when they started to fall. This was post the pandemic. Um, during the pandemic, there was a huge demand for semiconductors as we all bought new phones and we bought computers and we bought uh, tablets and so on. And that slowed down in the post period. What we didn't see was AI. And in November 22, when OpenAI announced ChatGPT, everything changed and everything will change for the next decade. And what I love about ASML, it's based, it came out of Philips and it had a very checkered history, a very, I wouldn't say checkered, it had a very difficult history until it, it, it achieved uh, the dominance um, where it's at at the moment. But I think what I love about ASML is that they're based in Holland, in Eindhoven or thereabouts. I don't exactly know exactly where, but you know, the Dutch are not known for their exuberance. They're not the kind of people who tell jokes or get excited about anything. But when you listen to the CEO, Peter Venning, talk, you know, he tells you how it is. And he admits that this year they're still catching up. They've got to the bottom of the, of the chip cycle. And from now on, it's growth. And from 2025, they expect massive demand, or they're already seeing huge demand for their machines. And these are not machines that you can hold, Alec. These are, you know, these are the size of a, of, of, of a room. You know, they're massive and they're highly sophisticated and complicated. So this is the company that you need, the most important cog in the supply chain um, to, uh, you know, to drive AI and to drive digitization and to drive the semiconductor, all of those things and that. So, you can, I, I, I've, I've dropped Tesla. When my Magnificent 7, I drop Tesla and I bring in ASML. That uh -huh. forms the, you know what I mean? That's my Magnificent 7. 
So I think this is a company, if you believe in the future of AI, which I am a junkie, which I believe very you know, uh, strongly on, I think you've got to have this company. This is just going to churn out 30% per annum for the next decade. <laughs> it's incredible. The, the, uh, it's only just over a year, as you say, in November 2022 that ChatGPT came along, but it's already transforming industries in just in yeah. the past year. Uh, reading through the results of mm. ASML, the, the thing that kind of jolted me was that the order book grew by eight and a half billion in the last quarter as against six billion usually, which in itself is quite extraordinary. But it takes it to, I think it was $33 billion that of an order book that they've yeah. got. So they could carry on for the next 18 months with no new orders and they would still be working 24 seven. It's, it's, it's an extraordinary business, but but get back to to Warren Buffett's views or Warren Buffett's ideas about having a moat. You said this one's got a moat the size of the Atlantic Ocean. What do you mean by that? I, I mean, because they develop technology that will take the competition a long time to catch up to. There might be different technology. You know, tech changes all the time. If you looked at Intel and IBM, you know it changes. Uh, but for the meantime, they're ahead of the pack and no one can afford not to, to purchase their order. Alec, I heard something very interesting yesterday. Um, Meta, which is the old Facebook, has put in an order for 350,000. You might check this. I'm quoting somebody who told me this number. 350,000 GPUs. In other words, that's the chip. <laughs> the, uh, this is the NVIDIA chip. Now, each one of those ships, I don't know, goes $40,000. But the problem is that they will only deliver those in a year's time. That's how big their order book is. So you can't afford to slacken. You know, you can't afford to wait for new technology. Yes, Sony's got new technology or whoever the, the competition is. Um, I'm not quite sure who they are, but... It, it'll take a long time before you can place those orders. So it still gives uh, ASML a long lead on any competition that might come about. They're not there yet. So, so let's just understand this, David. So Meta, Meta puts an order in with NVIDIA. Mm. NVIDIA makes that through equipment that it's sold by ASML. So ASML is the, is the company that actually makes the plant and equipment I mean, to, to, in, in very basic yeah. terms, which NVIDIA buys and not just NVIDIA, everyone in the world buys. And then they uh, take yeah. that and they will then make these very sophisticated chips for someone like Meta. But they can't yeah. make their own uh, equipment that ASML makes. They just no, don't have that no. expertise. They're all trying to do that. They're all, and there are a lot of companies designing and trying to produce their own chips. So I think uh, Taiwan Semiconductors is what you call the foundry. You know, so through their various factories, they actually produce the chips that NVIDIA designs with the help of ARM. <laughs> so you've got this whole supply chain um, that goes into the making and developing of a chip. You know, when you design a chip, it has to be tested. There's a huge amount of effort that goes into it. So it's a fascinating industry. And I'm an accountant, and a lot of the technology just swims around my head and sometimes doesn't stick all I know, it's a big story, you know, and it's a, and, and these are big companies. So and I, I, I think the more you read into ASML, 
There are podcasts, there's history around it. It's a very interesting business. And where is it? It's in Holland. You know, this is not um, this this is not in Silicon Valley. This is in Holland, and there are a lot of businesses around it that are worth looking into. Thanks for that, David, and especially for the last part where you say TM- TSMC, which we know is the biggest chip manufacturer in the world. That's why the Americans are so interested in Taiwan. Uh, it is like the foundry, and if you can imagine the old-fashioned foundry, the equipment for the foundry is made by ASML. Hence, David Shapiro's love of the stock, and uh, why not? It's been a pleasure talking with David, as always. Uh, he's with Sasfin. I'm Alec Hogg from biznews.com. 